Episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Alan McFadden. And just before we even introduce who's here, we're just going to have a little cheer because one of the members is not here. We're bloody stoked, I've got to say. Mike has snuck off up in the woods and he's out of mobile reception. And we're like, thank God for that. Uh, you doing that, Tio? No, I, you just nailed it, dude. I've been praying, I mean, literally praying to all the gods the elephant with the arms, baby what? Jesus all of them that uh, Mike would just just go away for like a week. Just I'm not asking for like a lifetime. I'll, I'll take a weekend for now. Um, and it feels amazing to not have him here. Like literally it just, it's like, I'm just, I was just tired of carrying the show. You know I mean, I was just tired of it. Yeah. Like I'm exhausted. Yeah. He <laughs> when he chipped in with a message before I was like, no, no, you're supposed to be outside mobile range. And it was like, yeah. oh, I've only got one bar. I can't join in. Like, great. And how about you, Tony? How you going, man? Hey, have had a great week. I guess it's good that he's in here. I, you know, I mean, his input is not as good as the two of you, but it's good. <laughs> you can see who the nice one is. Everybody knows already. This is this is Tony Senior. He's known Mike since he was knee high or a grasshopper, as we say in Australia. He was a little, he was a little fella, and he just won't say a bad word about him. But Raph and I know. We know deep down in everyone's heart. We're all happy he's not here. Um, Amen. Ex- ex- ecstatic. Ecstatic. So we, we've been chewing the fat here just before we started. We're talking about Catholic priests visiting the house and displaying unusual language and Irish Catholic uh, Christian brothers visiting my mum and drinking all the whiskey in the house. There's been all sorts of banter <laughs> just before we started. So... Uh, I listened to the episode again this morning from last week and I just, there's so much good stuff in there. I mean, it's, it's a great book. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush. Do Weber knows what he's talking about there? That episode about the scout, that chapter, that whole part of that, such a clear and easily understood analogy for life, for business, for family, for sporting teams, any, any organization. It's such a great definition of leadership of what the scout is doing. And that relationship, everyone's got their part to play. No one's better than anyone else. And uh, I loved hearing about Anthony Puglisi and uh, as the accountability holder for you, Tony. Yeah, he's a, um, he's definitely a rock. Definitely a rock, you know, just a, a person that you can um, open yourself up without any reservation because there's no, um, there's no, uh, what's the right word? You don't have to feel one way or another about expressing yourself exactly who you are because he knows who you are. He's known you for so long. And there's, there's, no, um, there's no fear, which I, I think if, and if, if people can have someone in their life like that, that's important. I mean, it's so important. Now, I mean, um, uh, on the male side, Louise obviously is my partner for life, which, you know, um, uh, has always been there for me also. But from a, um, cause we were talking about the scout. Uh, uh, yeah, Anthony's been there uh, over 30 years now. I really liked that Dan was sort of were talking in the end about creating people that you would choose to have as a scout yourself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if your life is perhaps not giving you the meaning or you're not having the drive that, may, you know, maybe you're just not achieving where you should, maybe to look in your circle at those for those people and bring them into your life, spend your time more with them. And, uh, yeah, I, I know that if if Raph really sat me down and gave it to me, it was like, these, these are the areas you're failing in, Melon, I would know shit. I would really listen to what he had to say. Yeah, stuff. and... If- also, I think it's important to to note. Uh, Tony used the word "rock" as a compliment. When I call you a rock melon, it's not a compliment. Like I'm literally hurling insults. So <laughs> when I call you a rock, don't smile because it's not. I'm not Tony Senior trying to compliment you. Yeah. Wow. Well, hey, you know what? They're not always compliments either. <laughs> you know. Well, you, you know, you um, 
that individual, you know, it's, we said this the last time, you know, anybody can tell you that the lake's full of alligators, right? Any bonehead can complain about what's going on with your life or you're screwing up or you're, you're an idiot, whatever. Right. How do I fix it? How can I fix it? If you can give me, you know, the, the, the integral parts of how I can make it better. Great. I'm going to listen. But if you're just going to bitch at me, I'm going to turn you off. I'm going to turn, cause everybody, everybody can jump or everybody can pile on, right? Anybody. It doesn't take, uh, you know, uh, an intelligent person to be, a, you know, to, to downgrade another person. It's the person that can uplift you. And it doesn't matter where they come from. That's the, that's the, the uh, very important part of it. They don't have to be, you know, the most successful guy, you know, or, you know, a high ranking uh, individual in your organization. They can be anyone. Yeah. You know, what person can connect with you, right? I like how Raf uh, raised that point around the trust, the trust being much more important than the type of language they're using or the fancy words or the latest and greatest uh, of anything, that when the person's got that credibility with you, you'll just, you know, and they're speaking to you, they've got an immediate access to power with you. Like, you know, they're coming to you from a long history uh, of proven performance. They've been there when it's counted over the years. And when mm-hmm. they speak, you can just go straight to the action stage. You don't need to work through the why are we doing this and I think this other thing. And powerful inside an organization for CEOs or leaders, you know, when they're trying to speak to people to get action underway. And if they don't have that background credibility and trust below, there's there's no hearing for the message that they're trying to get out. And I think a lot of people want to go to the action step before they build the trust, Raf. It, and you, it's funny, man. You just reminded me of something. I, um, one, one of my favorite books, and this is going to show you guys how much of a nerd I am, is uh, Harvard Business Reviews. Like they've got the little series where they like they'll talk on emotional intelligence. They'll talk on you know like management uh, skill sets that that basically develop like the top tier managers across the world. Specifically, I've been rereading uh, the one on emotional intelligence because that's literally the one trait. Well, it's not a trait. It's actually a, a bundle of traits and attributes that have permeated into the business landscape because that's usually what they're, what they're monitoring and they're, you know, they're doing all these case studies on it. But, but kind of going back to what Melon said, it's crazy because it, uh, in the very beginning of the chapter of the book, it basically specifically says that the most successful teams and by successful, that, that means people that have completely like changed an industry. It all came down to a group of people with a level of trust that was just on par with like, like a combat team, right? Like somebody who's like, like where their hands are, you know, your life are in the hands of somebody else. And it talked about like that instead of focusing on all these like, you know, buzzwords and, you know, trying to like motivate people by climbing rocks together. Cause you'll have a lot of these like outbound experience uh, type events. They're like, there's nothing wrong with that, but understand that the most creative, the most potent teams, whether it doesn't matter if it's like a team of two to a team of like a hundred, the thing that the, the common thread that these teams have is the level of trust that they've developed through hours of um, not just working together, but outside of work and relying on each other and knowing about each other's family and just these little small acts that start to connect. And, and I just thought, man, that's pretty amazing. It's so simple. It's interesting that uh, outside of work part, I think in the last 18 months of COVID, that might have been reduced. Certainly it's been reduced uh, in my workplace, that ability to come out of your cave, you know, you sort of come home from work and everyone retreats back into their, thing and the doors up and we've had periods of lockdown and whatnot and social distancing i think this is something very important to put back into teams is that social connection that informal uh relationship you know where all the the organizational charts just squash down and you can over a cup of coffee or a, a cold drink you can let the boss know what's really going on and he can hear what's really you know like you can percolate like that and that that part is such a good key part to add now for people moving back into post-COVID life. I think that's a perfect um, point for people, Raf, that you've just raised. And, and, and one that I think that is really important to know, just because we just discussed this part, um, 
the the other element that was that they really absolutely underlined was the inclusiveness in the group. And I don't mean it in the term that the woke society is talking about it. I mean, literally where it's one of those things where it doesn't matter how much banter and how much we, you know, we jest and how, you know, we might call you an idiot, but at the end of the day, if you have an idea, everybody stops and everybody listens, right? They're, like, even if it's a terrible idea, we'll let you know, but we're still going to consider it. It's like literally they, they emboldening each other to just, I mean, there's all these stories about how Google, you know, how literally they would have these meetings and they'd be like, look, put your idea on a napkin. I don't care how ridiculous, like the more ridiculous, the better. And that's how they would come up with Google Maps. And they came up with all these other amazing functions and things that we know Google for. Um, but it's that inclusiveness where like, there's no, it's like that old adage, you know, there's no such thing as a stupid question or there's no such thing as a stupid idea. Like the more absurd, the better. Elon Musk is one of those that completely signs off on that. He's like, I want absurdity. That's like, that's where I want my, because if you're thinking at that level, I mean, you, you've really put some like energy and resources into it. And instead of just being like, oh, that's stupid. Well, that, that's never going to happen. You know, that negativity, which is, which is, which permeates most of the world. I mean, it's, let's be honest, man, we've been surrounded by that more than the positive inclusivity of like, dude, what are your thoughts? Huh? How can we make that happen? And it's just, I've, I found that pretty fascinating, right? That that's, I mean, cause that costs nothing. You don't have to, you don't have to pay anybody to come to your team and be like, all right, make us better. You get, that's free. You could do it. It's a practice, right? Just, just be good to each other, encourage each other, promote that sort of inclusivity, you know, get to know each other, you know, Hey, how's your kids? Blah, blah, blah. You know, Oh, he was sick Friday. How you, you know, how's he doing today? You know, can I, is there something I can do? Little acts. That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it, it even comes down to the simple statement of, Hey, how's it going? Right. And then wait for the response. So many people, Hey, how's it going? And they just walk away. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Why did you ask? Now, sometimes you end up with a 20 minute dissertation about, Oh, woe is me kind of thing. But that's the foundation, right? Just like you're saying, it opens it up to other things, opportunities, everything else that goes on. Uh, we have an instant gratification generation coming up, right? Push a button. It, it, it happens. Right. And um, it's, Life really isn't like that. There's a, what you're talking about, Raph, there's some really great studies is, yes. you know, you were talking specifically about the emotional intelligence, but there's also some really good stuff on innovation and that you get that, you know, input of different ideas and we build on the ideas and like you get a few generations of ideas. The first ones might not be any good, but if someone shuts it down and they're like, that's a terrible idea, Raph, you know, like that stifles the whole room and you'll just have a, a dead blanket. And what you wanted to get to is the third or fourth generation of ideas where, you know, Tony's fed a bit off me and I've taken a bit of Raph and we've all bounced an idea around. You end up with an idea. And this is this is legit. This is where stuff like Google Calendar came from, where they had that time. But you need the psychological safety and, and saying, you know, to, saying that we've got something that's a safe space, I know that's a strange term, perhaps a bit maligned, but having trust, actual trust, where you know you can speak you're not going to be criticized and made look a fool and people are going to be like, right, what, what's good out of that that we can build on? What's something in that for the team? Definitely uh, powerful stuff. Was there anything more in that uh, emotional intelligence article, Raph? Maybe we can put a link to it in the notes. Yeah, yeah it, it's a really simple book. It's actually a book. I think it's less than 100 pages. So they, like I said, they have the series for business management and leaders. It's called, you know, it's Harvard Harvard. Uh, business review. Um, and I think there's like a, maybe 10 booklets in this little uh, series. And that's, I always go back to that one. Like that's literally my favorite because I think that that's the one. And they even say like, out of all the skill sets to have the most successful leaders, it doesn't, not necessarily just in business, but just in life, usually have a really strong, high level of emotional IQ. And we talked about this before in previous chapters, the way you develop is there some nurturing versus naturing? Of course there is, but it's a skill or a set of skills that can be developed, right? Like just having maturity, suffering, like voluntarily suffering through, suffering through things and kind of building your tolerance so that, you know, when it, it's extremely chaotic, you're not, you're not lost in, in, in the chaos, so sort to of speak, right? You're just, you're, you're, you're the calm reserve person in the room and hopefully you can rail, like you can rein all that back in and just use your, your calmness and your, 
uh, into some level of effect and just be like, all right, everyone calm down. And, and not to keep you going back to the one guy, but Colonel Hines was that guy. And like, I always look back at our, my military career. There's other leaders, but I always go back to Colonel Hines because he was, he was always calm. And if he was ever not calm, I didn't know about it. I wasn't in the room. That's for sure. Cause when he was in the room and I was in the room, I was like, man, that dude, it did. I mean, literally it didn't matter. We could have had a, an Apache shot up. We could have had a roadside bomb just go off. I, it, it did not matter. He was always calm, you know, it just, and that, that soothing, deep, calm voice, like just made you like initially be like, that's going to be okay. Even if internally I was like, oh my God, we just lost the crew. But his voice being so calm, you're like, it's gonna, like, there's a plan. That man over there has it. We're going to execute it to the best of our ability. We're going to get everybody home. You know, like it's just, it completely, it, there's a switch where you want to scream in fear, you know, from the burning car versus like, no, we're going to go back in and we're going to grab whoever we can and we're going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's really important. People can't dismiss how important that is. It, it's, it's easier said than done. 100%. And people who have that ability that you're talking about there, you know, they've developed, they've got a nature versus nurture and perhaps someone like Colonel Hines, Frank Muth might be another one, who are always going to be natural leaders, but they've developed, they've had leaders themselves, they've had mentors who inspired them, they've put themselves in situations and they've, I know we touched on this one in an earlier episode with Tony, well, like develop resilience in your children, expose them to trial. Don't try and prevent them from the world because the world's going to occur. And you, through the failure, you build an ability to process what's going on and keep your head staying calm when there's chaos, like you've just described, Raph. Like that, that is an, a goal to aim for in any time of trial. And, you know, you're all, we're all going to have it. We're all going to lose loved ones. We're going to all have traumatic experiences. There's no one who gets through this bitch unscarred, I think is the way you say it, Raph. That's That's excellent. Yeah. Well, should we segue now into um, Tender Warrior Part 3? We've had two fantastic episodes on the first two chapters working on, uh, you know, you're basically your, your life goal. What, what, what are you out there? What are you after? What are you getting up on in the morning? Uh, the wake up call being chapter one. And then chapter two being the scout, that uh, mental image of the wagon trail in a Western heading out to cross the Appalachian mountains and the prairie and across the Rockies and into the, you know, the land of gold in uh, California with the scout at the front, scouting ahead, trying to find uh, a way through the pass, trying to find resources, water and food trying to avoid bandits and raiders and coming back and reporting on the wagon, uh, which has the family, it has all the valuables, it has the, the food, the resources, the scouts replenished and refreshed and that beautiful analogy for any business, any organization, any family, someone out in front and then someone bringing all the important stuff at the rear. That was last week. And this week, the next chapter is the four pillars of manhood. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a powerful chapter, this one. So these, these four pillars, I'll just sort of sketch over it if you guys are happy. Uh, defined as the first one's king, second one's warrior, third one is mentor, and the fourth one is friend. And um, the king with judgment and wisdom and uh, leadership, the warrior with strength, resilience like Raf's just been talking about, an ability to be fierce. There's a physical element, but there's also a whole bunch of just other aspects of strong leadership in, uh, captured in the, the warrior part. Mentor, the ability to teach and impart knowledge, to simplify and clarify and really develop other people. And then friend, like we've just been talking about here, Tony has his uh, great mate, Anthony Puglisi, and, you know, We've got those key people who are able to come into our life interested for us on a peer level, not necessarily as a, a father down to a son, but on the same level. And so that's the four. So king, warrior, mentor, and friend. All right. So uh, what did you take out of this one, Raf? What are your thoughts? I'm sorry, buddy. I just lost you there. Can you say that again? Yeah, I was going to say first, um, it, first thing I realized once I started diving into the, you know, going back and rereading the chapters, it's, there's a lot to unpackage. Um, 
I like how he how he says that none of these are exclusive. They're actually all they all kind of coexist. We know that we have strengths in some and weaknesses in others, and so it's important that as a as a man that you kind of uh, kind of going back to what Tony Sue said that you uh, have some introspection and you realize where you're weak and when you're strong. I I will say that in in the back of the chapter where he starts asking you questions, you know, one of them says which ones come easy to you and which ones are the most difficult. And I thought, man, that's a really good question to consider. Uh, and it's, it's more than it's going to take more than me sitting here for like an hour. It's something I'm going to think about, you know, as I go through life. But I think that this screams what I've heard years ago, and I don't, I can't even remember who said it. Well, th there's two specific. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase here. There's two specific quotes that, that I that I'm always having in the back of my head, and this chapter absolutely solidifies what, uh, what I'm about to say. One of them is George, Dr. Jordan Peterson, where he, uh, he's having a conversation with Jocko Willink, and he says, "Be dangerous, but be disciplined. Every man's goal should be be dangerous, but be disciplined." And and I think that if you hold these four pillars near and dear, and they're part of your constitution, you will be that dangerous, but disciplined person. And that's what the world needs, right? Because the second uh, quote that I always think about, and I can't remember who said it, but it said, when men get it right, the world is always in a better place. But when men get it wrong, we turn earth into hell. So, and, and they gave examples like, you know, uh, Hitler and uh, Mao and, and all these, you, you think about these uh, times in life where there was nothing. I mean, we're talking mass suffering. We're talking like millions of people under like the rule, you know, the rule of, or the thumb of rule and just being like, you know, um, the Khmer Rouge, you, you had like this uh, Pol Pot guy who completely took his disciples and turned them into like killing machines. Right. And then completely just destroyed a society for five years. Um, but it, there's all these very significant, I mean, you can't look away. There's, these are just facts. It's just the way it happened. But you look at very specific moments in life and you realize at the core of it, at the heart of it, it was man, just going astray. And it's important that he says, he's like, look, man, when we get it right, life is beautiful. Our women are flourish. Our children are strong. There's all these things. There's all these benefits that come from it. But the minute as men, as when we get weak and we let, you know, these wretched, you know, desires and ideas in our head, um, we just start to destroy everything. And there's ripple effects. It's not just us. It's not just our immediate family. I mean, it's, it ripples into our society. And there's so many examples of that. You know, I just named just a handful that have damn near shaped the world. And it all starts because, you know, men are, can be stupid. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I know that um, when I was reading a section on the King where it talks here about provision again, the definition, yeah. the distinction, the start of the scout, you know, so he's looking ahead. He's seeing the thing that occurs before it manifests in, in today. He's seeing ahead in time and he's planning and all of those things. Um. And even just the title of that aspect of masculinity being king, I was really thinking about Jordan Peterson again defining. He talks about the way that at the moment there can be this real focus on this phrase, toxic masculinity and the patriarchy. And he's really good that that's like the evil king. That's like, you know, many old biblical stories, but also, you know, Lord of the Rings, Hitler, Stalin, etc. That is a poisoned version of the king where there's no balance, there's no introspection, there's no internal strength, there's a lot of fear being manifested, the worst parts of character coming out. But there is inside masculinity, you know, there's not just the toxic side, there's the really healthy side of a strong and loving father. There's, you know, the strong, loving grandfather, there's the wise king, the wise leader, the President Lincoln. There's lots of examples of that as well. And it's not it's not like we only get um, in this current, current contemporary period. There's a strong focus on this. There's only toxic masculinity. You're like, no, 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 no. You're just talking about a perverted, bad expression, but like you just said there, Raph, where if you get it wrong, it's hell on earth. And the same thing happens with a, a female manifestation, like the, the loving, nurturing mother, you know, mother earth, nature. But then there can also be that domineering, mother who, you know, the Munchausen syndrome and wants the children to be sick and it's all perverted and twisted. Like it, it's not purely the principle of male or female. It's just whether these things are healthy and balanced and strong or whether they're manifesting the worst sides. 
So when I saw King, I had those thoughts. Mm-hmm. What did you get out of this chapter, Tony? Well, you know, the, the, the one thing that really stuck out for me was the mentoring part. You know, um, in, on uh, page 46, it, it, great little quote, uh, the heart of a mentor is a teaching heart, right? Um, I think that all four of these pillars really can be um, brought into one that an individual has to have a servant's heart first. It doesn't matter if you're the king, the warrior, the mentor, the friend, you, you have to take others into account in your decisions, right? Uh, and regardless if you're going to be fighting, teaching, or befriending someone, um, you, you, you have to put the effort in to try to elevate them as much as they can be elevated, right? Help them reach their true potential. I, and I, I think that um, what we've lost uh, in our society, in our world today, is that you know we've we've uh, folks who are trying to isolate themselves into me, me, me. You know, it has to be a win-win situation. Everyone has to come out ahead because you've been involved in their life. You know, um, you get the rewards for uh, helping an individual, but they get the reward because you were part of that process. Um, it's a, um, this, this chapter for me uh, was, um, was rough to be honest with you, because it, it's like the balance wheel, you know, that you hear from, uh, whether it's Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, whatever, right? If one of those um, components aren't uh, as full as they need to be, it's not going to run smoothly. And when you look at, at yourself, you have to be honest and say, okay, where am I falling short? And how can I be helped through it? You know, um, uh, in another section of this, it has uh, everything we buy or use has a book. Everything, whether it's a toaster, you know, a car, um, uh, and the book of life, right? You know, you 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 have to have something to base your actions, your thoughts on, and uh, and on this particular page, I mean, it says. You know, use the Bible as your um, manual. Now, uh, regardless of where you are, uh, as far as your religious beliefs, you know, every every individual has, quote unquote, a set of standards that they're going to abide by. And regardless of your religion, I mean, they all want the best for themselves and their families. You know, it's like a it's like a building with a foundation, right? You know, the bigger the building, the bigger the foundation. Now, how strong do you want to be? You know, uh, as long as you have a belief system that will not allow you to go, uh, but below that standard, then at least you have bedrock to base what your actions are going to be. Paul. Yes. There's something very, very powerful in that, you know, like that mighty oak tree towering in the, or a sequoia has got a gigantic root system and, and you'll never get that amazing vertical, impressive and amazing uh, visible part without that invisible part being really strong. And, you know, it, it's, there's many books of wisdom, but there's a reason that these things have been passed down through hundreds and hundreds of generations. And, you know, Rath and I, and certainly when when your kids were little, we wouldn't be telling our children values that we think are going to ankle tap them and cause them to fail in life. You're only going to be you're going to be picking and choosing the best of the stories you've heard to pass down to your children, because you genuinely want things to go well for them in their lives. And so, when you've got something that's come through a hundred generations of people, you can pretty much look into that and you'll find that there are deep values because there's been a hundred generations of parents, mothers and fathers who've 
thought and sifted and improved until that stuff that's coming down as gold, you know, Confucius, the Buddhist sayings, stuff out of ancient Greece and the Stoic philosophies, Marcus Aurelius's sayings, and plenty of stuff in the Judeo-Christian um, heritage as well. And these are the principles of principles. They're timeless. They're, they're true today. They were true yesterday. They'll still be true tomorrow. And the children who are raised and they understand these things, they've got a sense of that where's true north. You know, they've got an internal compass and it, it doesn't, it's not going to move with the current music fashion or, you know, what they're doing on TikTok. They've got something that they can fall back on and it won't always be there, but under the surface and over time, they'll get used to listening to them to, to that little voice more and more clearly as they get older, hopefully. And then hopefully they end up with that life like a sequoia with the strong roots underneath that can help them when they have the invariably they're going to have hard times. You're going to jump in, Raf? Yeah, I was just going to say that you left out the bunny rabbit for the uh, examples of the stories you want to carry forward. But more importantly, going back to what Tony said uh, for the mentor piece, you know, um, I the thing that I thought was really uh, important is that he kind of ex- he underlines that uh, a mentor is somebody who exercises the energy of initiation and transformation, uh, transformation, which is, you know, that's a, that's a tall order, right? <laughs> to uh, kind of to be the person that initiates and transforms that, but it's imperative, right? For the next generation, for the 101st generation that's coming up, like that's imperative. And I think everyone should consider that male, female, it doesn't matter because um, our, you know, the, the, the nature or the, or the future of our species kind of depends on it. You know, to tie into the, uh, to the Sequoia again, right? You know, well, um, you, you gentlemen have heard of the General Sherman. It's, it's one of the, it's the biggest tree in the world. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, a general, the General Sherman and a, uh, a Chinese bonsai tree, right? Started off the same size, same size. Now, what's the difference? The General Sherman was allowed to flourish, right? Just like we should with our children, our friends, our, our business associates, we should encourage them, nurture them, right? The bonsai tree, when it, when it was just starting to grow, you know, they cut the feeder and the tap roots so that stunts its growth, right? Now with words or actions or whatever, we do that to the individuals in our lives, right? Um, so what are, we, we really need to focus on what we're doing to everyone else around us, you know, and what we're allowing to be poured into us by everyone else around us. You know, I mean, uh, why does the king have a different mentality than, than his subjects? Why does a warrior have a different mentality than uh, uh, the other people around them? Why is a mentor different? Why is a friend, you know, it's kind of, and, and on the friend part, you know, uh, I'll, I'll tie in a little story with it. You know, uh, a young man, comes into a new town, he goes to the uh, hardware store because he needed to, uh, he needed some things. And he says, hey, to says to the storekeeper, hey, by the way, what are the people like around here? And the storekeeper says, well, what were the people like from where you came from? Uh, you know, didn't really like any of those people. I mean, everybody was mean. Everybody, you know, was short with you, everything. And the storekeeper listens to him for a little bit and he says, well, you know, the people here are the same way. Another customer comes in. Hey, I'm new here in town. You know, I need to get some supplies, blah, blah, blah. He's, by the way, what were the people like here? What are they like around here? You know, I, I have children that I want to raise. I'd like to, you know, find a little bit about the town. He says, what were the people like from where you came from? You know, we were really sad to leave. Everybody was great. He says, young man, they're the same here. So it's, you are probably the most important part of what your world's gonna be like. You need to make that choice, right? Because any of these 
we can be, but which ones are we, right, of, of these four pillars? I mean, that's really important. On page, um, what is that, 43, it has, uh, uh, he, um, Stu had quoted what Moore and Gillette called blueprints. And uh, Stu preferred, he says, I preferred to see them as fingerprints, the telltale mark of the artist on the original. So, you know, um, there's, a, there's a cool little quote, you know, we were all born originals, don't die a copy. You know, that's, be the- that, That's awesome. Right? You know. Um, and, and you can't get anyone else to do your push-ups for you, hey, Tony? <laughs> Yeah, that was good, Jim. I thought that was really good. You know, and um, now this was a tough chapter. I really like um, mentoring. On like, I'm professionally, I'm an instructor. You know, I teach. Um, I coach my sons, not just my son, but like I coach kids in rugby. I've done that for eight years on the trot. There's really a key part in there in that. Um, like manifesting yourself as a teacher, you're going to have to do it every single person, regardless whether they're formally a teacher or not, that ability to impart knowledge, to impart knowledge, you have to know, know is inside knowledge, right? Like you can't teach what you don't know. And modeling is the most important part of it. Like if you're trying to explain a way of behavior to a child and they see you, you know, yelling at your wife or whatever, snapping, having a bad moment. They've just learned everything that they are going to take out of that little exchange by the modeling of the behavior you've just displayed. So, you know, inside that mentoring thing, there's a whole part of manifesting the person you wish you could be. You know, like Tony's been saying, they're the two guys from the two villages who have moved and one guy, everyone was terrible where he came from and everyone, the other guy, everyone was great. Like manifest the thing, be the... Uh, person that you want to be as you go through life and you're going to be influencing and imparting that to people around you the whole time. And I guarantee that, you know, we're all, all of us is a, is a whole universe, there's a whole consciousness inside each person. And, you know, the lens you see life through that you don't even know, you know, the glasses, the tint of the lens that you're looking through the world through, you know, everyone's an asshole or everyone, you know, people are great. It just changes the whole world, yeah. And you can choose that lens. You know, you don't have to be miserable every day like Raph. You can choose to be happy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There's and also that- a bit in there around, he talks about initiative. And on, you mentioned that, uh, Raph, like initiative and transformation. Transformation is massive because transformation is, there's something being manifested and coming into being that wasn't there before. You know, it's not just change. It's not one plus one equals two. It's, you know, things are changing. The world is changing. There's a, there's a new thing in existence that wasn't there before. And in the initiative part, there's a question at the back about what's the difference between initiative and being bossy. And I'd say that the first part of initiative is the initiative you've had, you would have if you were just on your own. Like it's doing the thing that needs to be done. You know, dad taking the rubbish out when he sees the rubbish is there rather than telling someone to do it or the, the owner of the small business getting in early and open the store and getting on with the day. And like, that's initiative. Initiative is not the same thing as barking orders from the top. You know, the, the person who can do all of the jobs that they want the people below them to do, Colonel Hines flying a combat mission when he's the freaking colonel, just takes one of the aircraft and jumps in the back in between all of his command duties. He's still doing and contributing. So it's, you know, initiative means to move first is one definition of it. And that's do it yourself. Like it's not just giving directions to others. And again, that's modeling the behavior you want. Did you get anything out of that initiative question there, Tony? I mean, the, the initiative part, you know, um, to quote again, uh, you know, Zig Ziglar, you know, it, he had he had always said, and it, it stands true today, probably more than anything. You know, people more attention pay to what you do than what you say, right? I mean, it sounds corny, but I don't care if it's in your home, in your business, in your church, in your sporting team, whatever. 
You know, you can talk a good talk, but until you walk it, people see that, right? You know, ah, he's just blowing smoke again. Oh, he's just this, you know, and, and I've been guilty of that. I'm not going to say that, you know, uh, you know, I'm quoting this stuff and oh, everything's rosy. No, I'm, I am evolving every day still, you know, uh, and some of it's painful, right? You know, cause you have to, um, uh, how many times people's expectations of you are different than what reality is, you know? Uh, and hopefully you live up to what their expectations are. You know, it, it, it's a, um, uh, the, the it, initiation, just starting, sometimes it, it's tough. It's getting that rocket off that launch pad, right? Yeah. You know, um, and uh, it, it's a, um, it's a battle. It's about, I mean, how many times, how many times do any of us you know, say, you know, I just don't feel like getting up right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's every morning. That's literally every morning. Yeah. It's a, it's a constant struggle. Um, yeah. It, I can't it, remember who said it, but I, somebody it's that, you know, um, be, be comfortable with, with suffering, but more than that, learn to thrive in that suffering. Like what, and that's, that's where the switch happens, right? Like when I try to work out, you know, sometimes working out sucks, but I try to convince my mindset that, you know what, you're already here. You might as well thrive in the suffering, right? Same thing with the cold baths that I take. It's like, yep, it sucks for the first 30 seconds, but within a couple of minutes, there is that transfer. I mean, it's, it's authentic and it's real. I'm telling you, if anybody's listening, just try it. The first 30 seconds, your mind is telling you, this is going to suck. You don't want to get in there. Blah, 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 blah. There's all these things. Like literally your, your mind is telling you it's t- They're trying to talk you off the ledge. Um, but if you have to just say, fuck it and then just do Shrinkage. it. Shrinkage. Yeah. And on the other side of it, I mean, every time, every time I, I get out of that bath, it, I feel a sense of pride. My body feels better. I can tell that there's testosterone running through my, I mean, there's just, there's so many benefits. And so sometimes it's important to remind yourself that on the other side of that suck fest, if you learn to thrive, man, there's so much growth. I mean, it's exponential and you can't even put a number on it because it's, it's that profound, but you have to get through that initial kick in the junk, so to speak. I mean, when you read this chapter and you're reading about these four pillars, masculinity, and you're thinking about someone, you know, who has that ability to provision and look ahead, the King, the warrior, they're fierce and firm for their family, business team, community mentor, they're able to teach and impart knowledge modeling the behavior, a friend, they have the loving heart and the care, the caregiving. Like you're thinking, man, I want people like that in my life on the, on the hard days, on the days when I'm hanging on the rope to quote Tony from last week. And we're all going to have those days coming at us. Like you, you cannot choose the cards that life gives you and you're going to, you're going to get some shit hands. It's just a guarantee. You know, if you're, if you're in life to play, there's some stuff coming the other way that's gonna it's gonna blow your hair back and it's gonna it's gonna leave marks. You're gonna have mental scars. It's it's you're gonna suffer. If you're not manifesting these four elements on the easy days, and if you're not challenging yourself and putting yourself in uncomfortable environments, like Ralph's talking about a very small physical one, if you don't foster that attitude that Ralph's talked about there, not just being comfortable with suffering, but thriving in the suffering. Those are the days that it, that's what it, your whole life comes down to. You, you win and lose the whole game of your life on those days. And building capacity in these four areas in the good times so that you can deliver when you need it, when your family or your community need you to deliver, you only get moments. And when those moments are gone and if you didn't manifest what was needed, people aren't here, opportunities are gone, like life is massively changed for the negative. If you're not able to manifest on those days and those moments when you need to. Yeah. If I could just add to what you said, Melon, and I think this is really important for all the listeners, you should have a group of people, men or women that make you better. I'm very, like, I'm very fortunate in that regard. I have multiple little circles that I'm very intimate with, right? There's, uh, guys that I, uh, mostly guys that, that I served with, all pilots 
we're all kind of going down the same profession. Um, I talk to those dudes like regularly. I've got this group, you, Mike, Tony, Anthony, like where I, um, you know, we, we talk about like broader agendas outside of aviation in my career. Uh, and then I have another group where it's more like a spiritual thing. But the point I'm trying to make is that everybody should be, you should have a group of friends. And I don't mean people who just, you go drink and, and, you know, like just get stupid with, I mean, literally people that make you better, that hold you accountable, that lift you up, that, you know, it, and I'm not talking about just getting more money into your bank account. I mean, they lift you up and they, they help you grow in every possible uh, way of, 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 of that word, of that definition of growth. Um, and that, that's the one thing I literally look at my life. And I think I'm so fortunate that I, I have these group of people, men and women that have made me, that, that have like catapulted me well beyond what I personally thought I was ever capable of. Right. But that, but that's exactly what's happened. I mean, that, and I think that if you're not in that situation, you need to walk away or change your trajectory or look inside. Cause you might be that person that's holding everybody else back. You know, you could be, you could be that rock. <laughs> and I don't mean in the way Tony senior says, like, like you're the one drowning people, you know? So, yeah. um, man, that's so important in this life because like you said, no one's going to make it out of this bitch unscathed. The, the fourth part of this, these four pillars, right? The fourth one, the friend, it's not, yeah, friend, yeah, be a friend. But inside the definition here where he talks about, you know, the loving heart, caregiving, it's commitment maker and promise keeper. Like if, if you're not that and you don't have that in your circle around you, that's a very good definition of, well, you either are a friend or you're not a friend and you either have friends or you don't. And if you don't have these people, that Raph's just talking about who lift you up and make you grow, who challenge you, who, like Anthony Pugliese, will give you the hard word that you need. They'll sit you down and give it to you. They're not real friends. If you're not the one who can make a commitment and keep it to them, you're not a friend. It's a, it's a really, like you can just black and white people and yourself inc- included. You know, don't, don't spare yourself when you, this is a difficult chapter to read. It's challenging. Yeah. You know, a- before absolutely. we started, we all said, we all said, man, this is a tough one. Like there's, Elements in here, yeah. when you look at it, you go, right, I'm not manifesting that area fully. And as Tony said, if you're not pumping on all cylinders in all four of these, there's going to be areas in your life where things are rough. Tony, you're going to jump in? Yeah. You know, um, uh, like, like Raph had said, uh, having people in your life that will help you grow, right? You know, on that note, you know, if you're the smartest guy, there's another great little line, you know, if... Um, if you're the smartest guy in your group, you need to find a new group of people. You have to be tired of carrying that weight, right? You know, the crown is heavy, right? Like a lot of, you know, you, 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 um, you, you stagnate if you don't have people in your life that make you, that intimidate you a little bit, whether it's intellectually, whether it's physical, whether it's whatever, right? They help you grow especially if they're friends of yours. Okay. They know that they're smarter than you are. They may have a lot more life experience than you are, but during your conversations with them, during your interactions with them, during just them observing you, they can give you insight that you're not seeing. And, you know, as long as it's um, uh, conveyed in a loving way, right. It helps you grow. Because you, you, you know what? Yeah. Paul sees something different in me than I do. Because a lot of times you just need that little bit of encouragement to keep you going. To, to, to Like you said, talk you off the ledge. Paul? Even the Zig Ziglar's and the Anthony Robbins were motivated of this oh. world, were motivated by someone else. You know, there was someone who inspired them. And so it's not even that, um, you know, just time with these other people can be just those little ideas come in and hit you and you come away a better person, you know? Like I remember I talked about uh, brother Frank McCarthy, my old uh, Christian brother who was in charge of rugby. My brother and I, for years after we finished school, would go back to Melbourne and take him out to dinner. And, you know, he would, he, <laughs> he would order the most expensive wine on the menu, let me tell you. He, 
<laughs> and fair play to him, right? He gave up so many other things. By, by the time dinner had finished and a couple of very horrendously expensive bottles of wine had gone downrange, like for like a couple of hours, maybe, or a day, I was like 10, 15 points off you smarter, you know. This guy was a PhD from Cambridge. The way he'd talk about life and like it, it you can get a glow, you can expose yourself to new ideas, you, you can reach new heights, you know, and it's not necessarily a momentary thing when you have people like this in your life who are good for you, you know, and it's not always, it's not always roses, right? When they're peeling a, a, a spot in a scab or they're seeing a callus and they're letting you know, that can be rough, which I think is what we, <laughs> the bits we struggled with in this chapter, because it is tough, right? Yeah. And, you know, you just uh, defined, there's a paragraph uh, in this, I think it's like page 46, when he talks about that, you know, all these four pillars, like they, they carry the weight of an authentic man or authentic masculinity. And it, it, he says it's sourced in scripture, observed in history and experienced personally. When all these things coexist, um, you'll feel it. You'll feel it in the room. Like you said, brother, uh, brother Frank, like you felt it. Like that, that wasn't an accident. That wasn't just because you guys were, you know, uh, in the brine, so to speak, of high you know, of expensive bottles of wine. It was it was his authenticity where all these pillars were coming together. And you, as a as a younger man, felt that you know all four pillars, all four cylinders, just firing away. And I, I think that's a perfect example of that. A perfect anecdote, really. Yeah. Yeah, and and going through life with an open heart and looking for looking for people with these areas, you know, and looking at yourself for the one that's down, like there's really profitable time spent. And if you've got that friend who's that accountability, I can give it to you straight and let you know the area you need to work on. But a lot of it can be done with that hall of mirrors, you know, like having a bit of a think about your own life and where, where you've been having breakdowns. There's probably one of these four areas you're, you're not running at your maximum. Tony? You know, um, Having the interaction with our children, especially as they were evolving into their professional lives, right? This ties into that. I remember, um, you know, they were looking at different people to shadow, you know, professionally. And they were looking at, you know, this person, that person. And I would say, you know, who's the best in that area? Oh, so-and-so. Okay. You know, um, and you would get, some of their friends would say, well, how much would they pay for the internship, right? These kids would say, and I would say, it doesn't matter if you need to carry this guy or this lady's briefcase, wash their car, shine their shoes, whatever. You don't need paid. You want to be around the best of the best in that particular area, right? And it's the same thing with this. You know, um, in whatever areas you feel you're lacking, find that individual in that area and you know invest whatever you need to in that experience so that you can grow it's not uh you know well i'm going to sacrifice x y and z what are you sacrificing because if you're honestly going to look to get better isn't your objective to get better not look at the short term situation you know because like you said you're in this for the long haul and if you can grow you can help the other people in your sphere grow you know your 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 family your children your relatives your friends 100 percent right it's not a zero-sum game there's not like one block of uh chocolate and you got to fight your mates with a knife because I want to grow the mentoring part of me and I want to grow the king. And, and do you know what I mean? Like we can all benefit together. We can lift each other up like Raf is saying. And there's definitely a, uh, a synergy or when a group is working like this, I know Raf and I probably have had military groups we can think of. We know we're in that, that squadron that was just, you know, running just super efficiently and, you know, just on all the time or a sporting team maybe in business, Tony, or certainly your family sounds like you've got some great stuff there. You're all getting better together at the same time. 
Like there's an abundance mentality, which is the opposite of the scarcity mentality. Like there is all of this can go around for all of us. We can all make our communities and our families better. And like Raph being a better father, it's not like that's a competition with me. You know what I mean? There's a way to be, to think about it in an inclusive way. Like we can learn together how to be better, better parents for our kids. And why would, why wouldn't you want that? Like the male, the male competition land or whatever we have in our brain can turn us to get a bit stupid sometimes, you know, and, and think about these things strangely. Like it's all competition is not the way to approach this stuff. Tony. You know, the competition part, I mean, uh, to be totally transparent, the biggest competition in my life, and I would venture to say probably everyone here and whoever's listening, it's yourself. I mean, there's nobody that can hinder your progress or your growth as an individual uh, is you. I mean, you, you are your own worst enemy, period. End of set. I mean, uh, I've proven it to myself many, many, many times. You know, uh, and that's why this chapter was rough, was very rough, you know, and, and um you know, the takeaways are focus on the things that are most meaningful for you or, or, the, or the items that are, gonna, that are going to make the biggest difference in your life. And again, it's, it, it's um, those areas have a ripple effect. They're going to affect everyone else, not just you. But if you don't take care of... Um, the 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 internal uh, conflicts, I guess, is a good word, right? You know, you have on the on the one side, you have the angel; the other shoulder, you have the devil, right? Do this, don't do that. Well, I mean, we all chat, we all fight that. We all fight that, you know. And, and yeah. Well, we're getting close to uh, the point where we probably want to wind this one up. Another great episode, chapter three here, the four pillars of masculinity or manhood. Raph, is there any points that you wanted to, that haven't come out yet that you wanted to drop? Uh, not really. I just, um, but I think it's important for everyone to, I'd like, I would like to reiterate that when men get it right, uh, everybody, everybody grows, everybody becomes better. But when men collectively get it wrong, we turn this place into hell. And you don't ever forget that. It's, I mean, just you think of these craziest scenarios where they're like there might be a you know a bash of drunken coeds and and you know college students or whatever uh, in these beaches and these young girls get raped and there's like hundreds of men within striking distance and it's how does that happen? How does that happen? You know, and it goes just goes back to that saying. You know, when we all get it wrong, it's hell on earth. And we do nobody any service. Like we completely just void what we've been, I guess, you know, conscripted with or what we've been, you know, from higher authority, whichever your higher authority is. But there, there's a reason for you to be here. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody. You just, you know, you need to believe it. And I think, Tony, you said it best. You said, you know, you need to have such a conviction that you want to die for it. But that, yeah, That's just right, reiterate. Right. No, that's great, man. Like this, it's not like there's such a shortage of challenges in this world that we can afford to let anyone on the team just sit on the couch and do nothing, right? Like we all need to manifest. We all need to be pushing in that same direction. Like that long line you've talked about before, Raph, where we're standing in ranks. You know, we're pushing ahead here. You can know you've got people doing the same thing in all different parts of the world. Like we need everyone in, in there pushing. Tony, was there anything else you wanted to finish and leave the listeners with? No, just to wrap up, I mean, these four pillars, I think they're encapsulated into, um, you know, having that servant's heart, because if you focus on the good of everyone else, you're going to grow and, you know, you're going to move forward as a person, but you're going to take everyone else with you, you know, and isn't that really what it's all about, in my opinion? Thank you. Well, I'm going to finish here with a quote from a wise man. Um, and it's, if you take care of the four walls of your house, the rest of the world will take care of itself. Tony Senior, episode 63. All right, guys. 
until next week, send in your questions, send in your answers. <laughs> We'd love to get a couple of answers. If you're getting a benefit out of this, please share it out into community. Uh, we really appreciate all the feedback we get. And if you want to get any messages in, not your average Mike 77, not your average Raf, not your average Paul at gmail.com. And until next week, stay safe and uh, manifest your best selves. Mm-hmm.